Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend Enfuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. The show's namesake, BJ Shea, is on assignment. He's got some board game stuff to do. But running the boards is Joey D's. Hi. Hello. On today's show, I will talk with Gareth Von Kallenbach about Call of Duty, the Alien TV show, and a new Star Trek movie. Ooh. And Joe and I will deepen... <laughs> Delve deep into the world of Magic Colon, The Gathering Colon, Dungeons and Dragons Colon, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. That's a mouthful. That is a mouthful right there. And of course, the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. Okay. And it's going to have our blogs, podcast, and more? More. <laughs> I don't know what's going or, on. Or just search for BJ Shea's Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and the Odyssey app, and you'll find us. Yes, lots of ways to get a hold of us. Lots of ways to find us. Also, via that old social media. Uh, another person you can find via social media is our good friend Gareth Von Kallenbach from Skewed and Reviewed. Just search on that social media for that, and you get a whole bunch of news. But right here, we got some breaking stuff from him. Well, right here. Gareth Von Kallenbach joins us. From Skewed and Review, that is SKNR.net. And Gareth, we run across so many different things with TV, video games, and movies. So let's hit them all today and let's start off with Call of Duty and their zombies update. Right. Well, this was great news. This was the uh, interesting update to season four. And it's not uncommon for them to do updates after an update. But what was interesting about this one is usually the updates that they have are hey, we're going to introduce a new gameplay mode for a week or two, or we're going to have some kind of special event, like when they rolled out the Die Hard and uh, Rambo characters in the middle of it. This is rather different in the fact that they rolled out an updated zombie content, not we're sticking it all at the front of the update, and then we'll tweak it as we go. Here's your update. Here's a few tweaks. And now here's the next major update. And what we have here is we're going to get things like new map. We're going to get some new modes or returning favorites like capture the flag and paintball for traditional. Um, for people that are playing in Warzone, you get new weapons, new intel, things like that. Nice. But the big one is Mauer de Toten, which translates to Wall of the Dead. Oh, geez. And unlike... Outbreak, which was the last update, which was a more open world, uh, grab the vehicles, go and do your own thing. This is a back to the more traditional zombie modes that we have seen in the prior updates since they first started bringing them in, in that wave after wave after wave in more confined areas where you have to, you know, dispatch so many of the zombies to get enough credits to open up new areas of the map. So if you are not opening up areas of the map, you could quickly find yourself swarmed from everywhere. Because remember, they can appear from areas you can't get to yet. And, uh, oh, yeah, let's not forget your ammunition can run out, and there's nothing worse than having a basic (laughs) knife. And they're coming because you know you're going to go. And, I mean, truthfully, at that point, I always just say, if you have a grenade, arm it. (laughs) Yeah. It's many with you. And so this is going to be very interesting. And, of course, you know, it'll have a narrative to it where it will extend you know extend now me personally i always find the zombie modes really unique not counting outbreak in that 
there are ways to complete them, but you often yeah. have to do such crazy and absurd stuff. And, you know, I, I'm kind of like usually by if I'm lucky enough to be at level 21, 22, whatever, at that point, you're normally just running around, you know, trying to stay alive. <laughs> For just you a can get enough, you know, <laughs> and it, it, at that point, I'm not sitting there going, well, let me combine this part with this part and go to this reactor and turn this on. <laughs> but, you know, that's the beauty of it. So that'll be, uh, that is out. Actually, it came out yesterday. And so, uh, you know, people want to do that. Now, uh, supposedly next week, we're going to get a free play week. So if you have it, this is your time to go in and get a look at it. Perfect. Perfect. That's awesome. So I know a lot of fans out there of COD, so they'll have to check that out. Now, going to television, uh, what's going on with the Alien TV show? I thought maybe we talked about it a while ago, but maybe it was just between you and me. What we have here is an Alien TV series is coming. It's going to be on Hulu. It's done by Noah Hawley, who, uh, for those who don't know the name, has been behind the Fargo TV series. So kind of have a look at that, and that even though it's on a traditional over-the-air cable channel, they did have no problem getting into the violence, getting into adult content, and, you know, it was an extreme area. And there were some, you know, some episodes, wow, I can't believe they were able to put that over the air and that sort of thing. So... Those people who are all worried about, oh, it's going to be sanitized, it's going to be Disneyed up, I don't think so. I definitely do not think that is the plan. Well, Noah Hawley came out the other day, and he basically talked about this one's not going to have Ripley in it, um, kind of somehow alluded that perhaps her story might continue, and that's a whole wild speculation about the you know abandoned fifth film and now that, you know, with Neil Blomkamp and they're releasing all this concept art and rumors of James Cameron's with Blomkamp trying to make it happen, who knows? What we do know is that this series probably won't come out until 2022. People are saying maybe late next year. Some even say it may even be 2023. But what is interesting about it is that apparently it's going to be set on Earth. Now, this has got people going oh, man, I don't know if I want this. You know, the whole point is to keep the aliens off Earth and so on. Holly threw a real interesting curveball as saying that the company is going to be the villain. That's like a normal thing with when it comes down to all this. Right. And so they sit here and they talk about, you know, you have the alien, but you remember the line Ripley in Aliens, which one is worse? I don't see them screwing each other over for a profit. Yeah. And Holly then came out and said, Essentially, he wants to show the work. Uh, he didn't use the phrase working class, so I'm paraphrasing, but the little people. Yeah. How they are affected by this corporation. And so that kept the wheels turning and going, okay, so like scientists and bottom rung people on the corporate hierarchy who essentially are cannon fodder for their greater things, such as we saw in Alien. Let's reroute this ship to get this thing. Ruin cargo expendable, and let's not even warn them. And while we're at it, let's put an android on there in secret to make sure things happen. Same thing in Aliens. Send the Marines in. Send Ripley in. Yeah, yeah, we're going to wipe them out. We're going to wipe them out. Well, Burke clearly had a secret to do that. Um, there was a comic that came out just the other day that deals with Aliens, the aftermath. In fact, that's uh, what it's called. And it is a standalone, part of the ongoing Marvel series. 
And it kind of ties in as well that there was something Burke did that was part of the long-term plan. So, Mm. you know, they can set it on Earth, but see, that's the whole thing. The aliens and all that can still take place in space, space stations, whatever. Because I can't imagine an alien series where all we get is corporate drama week in and week out, like, you know, kind of like an L.A. law for corporations. (laughs) But you can see perhaps, uh, you know, and then I thought about, think about Prometheus, Meredith Vickers. Don't make contact with them. Don't do this. Don't do anything unless it runs through me, which seems to counteract the whole mandate that uh, the whole mission was set on. And her whole thing about, I've been gone for two years and change, and what is the board doing in my absence? Mm, yeah, and, and I think yeah. you can see the bigger picture here. And I mean, even at that point in time, depending on how far ahead of the movies that they want to go, because eventually all roads lead back to uh, Terraforma here, man. And uh, you could just see, you know, maybe the aliens coming to Earth and, you know, hijinks. Oh, it- Exactly. And, you know, I think you're probably going to see a mix of people being sent off, not being warned. You're going to see labs basically told, yeah, yeah, we got it all contained. We got it contained. (laughs) Just how volatile. And you may see people who perhaps didn't get the best evaluation in the world being accidentally left alone with a face hugger or accidentally (laughs) tested. We, you know, in some of the books, that's been an ongoing thing where they would like, Oh, you want a bonus to uh, volunteer for some medical experimentation. Great. And then they stick them in a room with an egg. That's so, you know, it'll be interesting to see, but I I just thought you're not going to have an alien series without the alien, but who knows? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you never know what's going to happen, especially with stuff like going into a different sci-fi trope with Star Trek. We do know now, though, there is a movie in the works. Oh, uh, we're hoping. Uh, oh, okay. They, they've announced <laughs> it. They they have announced it. So let's you know let's be clear on that. I am just being ultra cynical on this because this is not the first time they've announced a new movie. So you know, a little bit of revisionist history. Noah Hawley, who we just talked about at one point was involved in a uh, Star Trek movie project. We remember Quentin Tarantino being oh, yeah. uh, famously talked about. And a few years ago, we had um, uh, S.J. Clarkson named as director of a film, and then she left the project or was forced out, you know, depending on who it was. There was talk that it was all set to go, contracts were all signed, and then we heard Hemsworth and Pine couldn't come to financial agreements, and, you know, which conflicted the fact that they'd already agreed to terms. Well, now we are being told that Matt Shackman, who is uh, the director behind WandaVision, which did very well at the Emmy, so he's got a lot of, uh, in terms of nominations, he's got a lot of heat behind him, it has been tapped to direct a new film. Now, it's unknown if Abrams will be producing it, if it's set in the uh, Kelvin timeline. A lot of people believe that. But here is what is really interesting. You have uh, two female writers on it, and their resume is really, really interesting. The two of them have been involved in writing films such as Godzilla vs. Kong, The New Tomb Raider, and Captain Marvel. So you kind of get an idea. At least to me, sounds like they're aiming for more action-oriented 
uh, one versus a more cerebral talk it out Star Trek. Which does kind of make sense if you're looking at the Abrams verse stuff, because those were definitely more uh, more pew pew than diplomacy at that point in time. So it seems like that would stand to reason it would be more along unless I mean, unless you're looking at something along the lines of like the DS9, like Dominion War, which that finally got kind of into the action stuff. Uh, But I'm still going to lean towards the new stuff. Yeah, and it, it's interesting because we're at the time of year where there's all kinds of crazy speculation on contract <laughs> yeah. because as of now they were not they did not have anything scheduled for Comic Con at home, which kind of raised eyebrows because people were thinking, well, are we going to get a trailer for Star Trek: New Worlds? They've said they're, you know, we've got the season two of the anime Lower Decks coming. We got another season of Star Trek Discovery. And then people say, well, they have the big show in Vegas coming up. Maybe it's tied in with that. But those have always gone hand in hand with Comic-Con. And now what's really interesting is that we're hearing all kinds of crazy rumors like that the next season of Discovery may be it. And perhaps that there's forces that essentially want to reboot the televised side of thing. And, and. Yeah, I don't know about that because, yeah, we heard about all these Section 13 and other things. They just finished season one of New Worlds. You've got that Nickelodeon one with, um, you know, Captain Janeway coming back and you have all that. And I go, I don't think they would start a new series with the idea to pull the plug. That being said, could you think that a shakeup is coming? Could they be saying Maybe we're not going to put as much emphasis on all these TV shows that a year ago, that was the way we were going to have multiple Star Trek (laughs) TV shows popping up Paramount Plus. And, you know, the movies that were on the back burner now are coming forward. And it, it, you know, that that's where the rumors come in. I personally am in the category of why can't you do both? I mean, it seems to me you're going to need Star Trek content for Paramount Plus. So as long as people are watching, why not? You, you know, you have the people going, well, you know, if, you, if, if Discovery was over the air, it would be a ratings disaster. And it's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, if, people, if enough not. people are watching it to make it profitable for them to continue there, so be it. And if it's not, then they're just going to do another <laughs> show. And, you know, it, it's kind of like it's always been the argument. Do they truly have an idea of what they want to do for Star Trek? Because it was all kind of, you know, film, film, film. But then, oh, wow, the second and third Abrams film didn't make as much as we had thought, even though they make more than the prior Star Trek films had, not counting the first Abrams. And, you know, it was emphasis is all on TV. No, 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 not film. And, you know, they were in two different camps and there were all these questions about legal and this and that and it's just kind of like i look at it as going it's par for the course it's always been the argument about star trek where fans say do they have a clear plan do they know what they're doing i like this i don't like this i look at it as saying look you're getting new content and that's the whole that's the beauty of it i'd much rather have something on the screen where we can debate but is it not good versus what's coming next? <laughs> That's a great way to put that. And I know that uh, we'll get more information as you learn about it. Again, you can check out Skewed and Reviewed. That is SKNR.net. But if you search for that just on the old social medias, you'll find all those news, uh, news posts as they happen. Thank you so much, Gareth. Anytime. Take care.
Thanks, Gareth. And now let's talk a little bit about Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons as they have now finally collaborated after, gosh, uh, however many years. Um, this is an interesting thing I found because, yes, we've got Dungeons & Dragons Adventures in the Forgotten Realms as the latest expansion. Uh, has already dropped on Magic Arena, but I think is dropping fairly soon uh, for the real-world people out the there. The pre-release is today, Rev. Oh, perfect. Yes, yes, exactly. So the tabletop pre-release starts today. Uh, go out there and sling some cards uh, safely at your local gaming store. And this is a collaboration, the 88th expansion for Magic the Gathering. That's insane. 88 expansions. Quick, Joe, pop quiz. What was the first expansion for Magic the Gathering? Uh, Alliances. No, Arabian oh, Nights. Arabian Come on. Wow. You must have started. I started with Alliances. A. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So this has really kind of brought together both of the... Uh, both of the uh, very storied, especially now, like very popular franchises, Magic and Dungeons and Dragons have been seeing a boon since for like maybe like the last five, six, seven years um, where things have just gone really crazy. So this was kind of inevitable. Yeah, technology has really helped D&D kind of simplify its uh, overly complicated things that lost a lot of its uh, newer audience, I think. Absolutely. And with this, this is kind of one of those things with, with a set like this, it replaces the core set, which means that uh, it feels like the skill level is toned down a little bit because they're kind of bringing in the D&D fans into the world of magic. Yeah, which I didn't even realize that this is what would have been, I guess, the second or third set, depending on how you look at it, mm -hmm. of the five that they're releasing this year. That is that is so many. Yeah, so, I mean, I was excited because it's new magic cards, you know? Right. And I feel like every month I wake up and they... There's either a spoiler or a set coming out. So yeah, like, and that's one of those things where you like you don't even realize like you unless you're like you're super hyper focused into the world of Magic the Gathering, it's really easy to fall behind in terms of like if you want to keep up with the latest sets all of the time. Uh, Magic Arena helps a lot with that because for the most part it's free to play, and so you can kind of get a taste of those things, get some drafts in, and ha uh, see whether or not those are really uh, the cards you want to play with, the themes you want to play with. Uh, the skill level that you want to play at. Um, but this does add a lot of interesting aspects, one of them being a new outside of the game, but kind of inside the game, the mechanic with the dungeons. Yes. And these are named after very famous dungeons in the D&D &D world. So the Lost Mind of Philandiver, the Tomb of Annihilation, and the Dungeon of the Mad Mage. These are all very, very... Uh, 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 known, well-known uh, dungeons in the games and campaign settings. In fact, I'm in the middle of, I think, a three-year campaign for Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy, uh, and it's super fun. So I love seeing how they've done it because I'm, like, looking at the different dungeon levels, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I've been there. Oh, yeah, I've been there. Oh, that's kind of interesting how they uh, kind of put that in for a magic card or a magic card ability. And that makes sense because of the three dungeons, the Mad Mage is the longest. It is. Oh, gosh, yeah, yeah. And in real life, it's very long, too. Um, but it's fun with that because in order to go into these dungeons, there are cards outside of the game in the command zone. And other players can affect them. Each of you have your own dungeons. But there will be cards that have either, either they come into play or you trigger an ability that says venture into the dungeon. So that means if you don't have a dungeon out there, you get to select one of these dungeons and you get to select from any of the three. You put it out there and you put a token in the first room and something happens. Like in the Tomb of Annihilation, uh, it says the first one, each player loses one life. 
So each player loses one life. And then for the next subsequent uh, ones, whenever you venture into the dungeon again, you can only go into that dungeon because that's the one you're in until you complete it. But you get to move down it to one of the other rooms and you get to have a choice. Like with uh, the tomb, the next one would be each player loses two life unless they discard a card or discard a card and sacrifice an artifact creature and a land, which seems kind of rough on that one, but I don't know. Yeah, I really like this design because it seems at first to not be that powerful, but there's a lot of cool interactions within the set that really make your decisions on what dungeon you go into and which path you take, uh, determining the outcome of the game. Uh, For instance, there's an ability that lets you gain a life when you venture into a dungeon, which wouldn't seem that powerful, but there are a lot of things that interact with gaining life, for instance, putting plus one, plus one counters and things like that, that really make you, you you having to plan out this game as essentially... You might only venture into a dungeon once or twice per game, but that dungeon you venture into will determine the outcome. So you're sitting there and you're like, all right, well, I open my hand and I see, well, I've got my venture guy this turn. So I have to be able to venture on turn three to gain a life, to make it bigger, so that you can win by defeating your opponent. So if you think of your opponent as kind of the uh, end game boss of every dungeon. (laughs) That's a good way to put that, though. Yeah. Wow. it's, It's pretty good. I give them credit because, again, this is kind of supposed to feel more like a core set where it's more about creature combat, less about... I don't want to say interaction, but doing very big things, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of combine a bunch of uh, really complex com- uh, concepts and magic. For instance, say like, you know, generating a bunch of mana that then lets you draw a bunch of cards, then lets you fireball your opponent out. It's more about playing these cool creatures, assembling your squad, venturing a little bit into the dungeon, and then finding a way to overcome your big boss. And there are a lot of cards that pay homage to Dungeons and Dragons, including some uh, very notable legendary characters from uh, the D and D mythos, Drizzt and all of his crew with that, and some uh, some more that I don't even know about. But stuff like uh, the Book of Exalted Deeds, going all the way down to a Vorpal Sword and a Mimic, which. Mimics are the bane of anybody. Whenever you see a, uh, uh, if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, you see a treasure chest in a blank room. Most no. of the time, you want to poke it with a sword before you go to open it because it might have teeth. That's right. Yeah, uh, I have uh, tra- uh, sprung a lot of trapped treasures in my day and uh, <laughs> suffered the consequences. And you've had a chance to uh, at least experience the draft on uh, Magic uh, Arena as well, correct? Yes, I have. How'd you feel about it, man? Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, the colors work well together. You have a bunch of different color combinations. Combinations represented in multicolor uncommons that will uh, kind of uh, lend themselves to a theme that uh, allow you to build a deck. You know, for instance, you might be in life gain or you might be in red black sacrifice, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the games themselves play out pretty, uh, pretty fairly. This, I don't want to say the same, but they play on this idea that you should be attacking. Okay, like, yeah. Most of the time in core set. It's a good idea to be trying to lower your opponent's life total as fast as possible. Every single turn, if you can attack. Attack, attack, like safely, especially. Yeah, because blocking in general, not so great, you know, especially <laughs> if your creatures have a lot of uh, when they die effects, which there are a lot of in this set because, you know, for instance, you want to venture when a creature dies or something like that, or you get a plus one, plus one counter. But the coolest thing for me about this format is the flavor, which I, I yeah. love flavor in general, but the way that they've named and changed cards <laughs> that are essentially things that already existed in Magic, for instance, a choose one or an and or kind of a thing. Yeah. But they make them so cool in the sense that it's, 
you come upon a treasure chest. And then your options are, for instance, create a treasure token or smash it and destroy an artifact. And like those combinations <laughs> in magic make sense. They're not overpowered. Yeah. But the flavor's there. And the module, like the a lot of the modular ones, literally each of the mo- mods are a different like spell name or action. So the way that they do that, it's like, yeah, I'm going to smash this treasure chest. It might be a mimic. And then, oh, I'm actually destroying your, your artifact. So that's actually really, really super cool. Yeah. And I mean, you from the first card you look at, to the rares and the mythics. I mean, it feels like you're playing a D&D campaign, which which is hard because in Magic, games end pretty quickly in Limited. You know, oh, it, yeah. it's it's like, well, how am I going to recreate this? But every deck feels unique, and every card when you involve into a mythic, like, wow, a dragon, that's cool, I recognize the name, or there's this hero that I'm now fighting or is trying to prevent me from doing something. Or you watch out for the uh, the fabled Tiamat or uh, the Tarask. Yes. Lots yes. of dangerous beasties that are well known in uh, the, the lore of Dungeons and Dragons. So this seems to really be a win on the flavor. It really is. And you know what the cards do before you even read them, which I think is very important. Yeah. And it was a thing that will bring people in from both IPs, which, you know, I always love. Because I was a, uh, a very early proponent of we really need to create this magic land that is everything that encodes fantasy and all mm-hmm. that. Not just wizards. It should be yeah. D&D. It should be Godzilla. Why not? I mean, we live <laughs> in this world where you can planeswalk, right? I mean, right? There's, yeah. there's got to be everything. And I mean, gosh, like everything's getting into the multiverse now. So uh, why not magic? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I see I see no reason that Iron Man shouldn't show up at some point. <laughs> oh, gosh, it will. Don't worry about that. Uh, but now as we uh, try to think about the different ways that we can incorporate magic cards into all the multiverses stuff, it is now time for The Geek Sheet with Vicky B. All right, Vicky, what do you got? This is weird. Hmm. Very weird. Hmm. We have movies again on Fridays. Oh, oh yeah. We can come Look back to this. The world is healing. We've cured everything, people. Well, I mean, There's stay safe, but you can go to movies now. Uh, which is, again, odd. <laughs> because uh, last week we did talk uh, Black Widow came out and it did super well. Everyone's loving it. I have yet not seen it. I have not seen it either. The only person who has seen it is currently on assignment, Mr. BJ Shea, but... I mean, generally we wake two weeks for movies anyway, which is weird because it's been such a long time since we've needed to do that. Right. But we do. So next Friday we will talk about Black Widow. Um, maybe a spectacular, maybe. or at least uh, we'll spend an extended amount of time on that for the Friday episode. Yes. Yeah, so we won't speak of it until then. Yeah. Uh, but we do have a few movies coming out this week, and some that a lot of people have been real excited about. Okay. One being Space Jam, A New Legacy. Oh, yes. This instead of Michael Jordan, it's going to be LeBron James in it, that role. It feels like Space Jam mixed with the new, uh, what is it, Jumanji. Because he like yeah. gets into a video game, I believe, or something. It's uh, yes, I've read the uh, the plot, the slightly convoluted plot, especially for a movie sort of like this. And um, a lot of people, uh, maybe who aren't kids or don't have kids, are kind of poo poo in this. Well, I- the ones that aren't kids or whatever are the people that grew up with it, like yeah. Joe and I. And I don't okay, know if you were yeah. really liking it when it came out. Was it 95 the original came out? Yeah, it was a little outside of my wheelhouse when it came out because, A, it was basketball, and I didn't didn't really care about basketball, So, and I wasn't like, that into Looney Tunes. But like, even if you weren't into basketball, you knew Michael Jordan was oh, yeah. basketball, and that's all I knew. I'm like, Michael Jordan, he's cool, right? And <laughs> Looney Tunes, and I actually did like the Looney Tunes growing up. Mm-hmm. How about you, Joe? Did you watch it at all? Uh, I wouldn't say I loved the Looney Tunes, but I did 
did like Space Jam. Uh, Michael Jordan was, I don't want to say he was so much bigger than LeBron James at the time when the movie was made, but he yeah. was in the sense that, you know. He was basketball. Yeah, he, well, he was basketball. He was an international icon. Like, mm-hmm. people all around yeah. the world knew him, and he captured this essence of, you know, greatness in the movie. I think what's going to happen with this new Space Jam is that kids will love it, maybe even teenagers will love it, and everyone else probably won't because it has that almost Fortnite feel to it mm. where it's kind of yeah. cartoony with the graphics and it's not like real time like it was with Jordan. It's going to be a lot more animated. So, I you know, just not for us, but I... I won't see it probably. <laughs> I think I saw Hulu was advertising one of the the, the, the streaming services, but I do believe it's Hulu has uh, the original Space Jam currently. Ooh, nice! So if you're not really feeling like going to the movie theaters to go see this, I think it's also I think they're putting it somewhere else. I don't remember where. I don't know if it was the Paramount Network app or streaming whatever. I'm sure you can watch it elsewhere besides the movie theaters if you're not comfortable yet, uh, or just watch the original one on Hulu. Uh, another one that is coming out that I'm very excited about that technically is already out. I think it came out yesterday or the day before. Gunpowder Milkshake. And yes. This came out on Netflix and I am so excited. The cast, like all star cast of ladies. And I mean, some cool guys in there too. But you got Nebula and Cersei. Right. What? And then whoever, uh, whoever, Carla. Huevos? Wait, no, what's her name? Uh, Jupiter. Uh. Miss hmm. Jupiter from Watchmen. Um, boo, I don't know who. The yellow one. She was the mom. <laughs> the mom of the Silk Spectre. Oh, okay. Silk Spectre's in this. Michelle, oh, crap. I like. I know all these people are in different movies. Like you have the Rhino, Paul Giamatti. Okay, oh, I'm Giamatti. like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Please don't refer to him as the Rhino. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I well, mean, I mean, we don't even know at this point. No, you don't think he? Oh god. <laughs> they might. They could bring him. All right, bring him back. Uh, <laughs> Michelle, I think her last name is you. She was also in like Crazy Rich Asians, Memoirs of a Geisha, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. She is just the epitome of badassery. Mm-hmm. Uh, is also in it. Like they're just. I am all for it. I'm a little concerned. Also, Angela Bassett. Yeah. Legend. It's only getting 68% on the tomato meter and 52% of the audience score. Right now, 47 reviews on the tomato meter and like a a little over 50% on the ratings. I think they said that the dialogue was just too much. Okay. So it might just be like a writing issue, but it looks badass. It looks fun. And it's essentially like a mother-daughter assassin adventure. Yes. Would kind of just like the best concise way to put that. And... It's like a library. It's like, oh, I'd like to check out these books. And they're not books they're checking out. Yeah, they're gone. Pew, 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 pew. So I'm definitely watching it. This is an all-star cast, and I, I definitely have to watch it. This seems like something along the lines you could double feature with that uh, 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 Daniel uh, Daniel Radcliffe, uh, Guns Akimbo. Oh, I was going to say uh, Atomic Blonde. Oh, that one, too. Is, oh, yeah, I forgot about have Atomic Blonde. Have you guys Blonde. seen Atomic Blonde? No, I forgot about oh, that. I have it on DVD. It was that good. I had to buy really? it on Blu-ray. It is so fantastic. It is the most raw, brutal. Like, yes, it is a woman who's the main character. She's a badass, but it never feels like I'm a badass because I'm a woman type of movie. Because also, that's not Charlie Theron's like vibe, anyways. Mm-hmm. It is 
brutal. Like, you see them get tired. You see, like, the fight scenes just continuing going on and on. It's like, holy crap, woman. It's kind of like how even, like, uh, like the, the Marvel shows, uh, the Netflix shows, yeah. like, like Daredevil, yeah, and, Daredevil. and, like, all those where it's like, yeah, you're showing these fights, but these dudes are getting wrecked, and the fact oh, that yeah. they are, and they're showing, like, no, I gotta, like, lean up against a wall for a second and get a breather so I can keep going. And if this isn't convincing <laughs> you enough, like, the, it, aesthetically, it looks really awesome. They, it's based in the 80s. Ooh, nice. The Ooh. sound Soundtrack is what's gonna get you. Atomic like, Blonde, huh? Yes. If All you right. need to borrow the Blu-ray, let me know. All right. Yep. Atomic Blonde and then uh, Gunpowder Milkshake. One, yes. two punch right there. Uh, and another one that's coming out. It got me for the name. I'm curious, but it does look horror movie esque. Okay. Escape Room Tournament of Champions. What? Oh, I remember this one. Yeah, like the main gal, her name is uh, Taylor Russell, and you might recognize her from the new version of Lost in Space. She's oh. the uh, oldest daughter. Okay, yep. yeah. Penny, which one's the older, Penny or the? Uh, oh, what? I, not not Penny. I think Penny's the redhead, but the older child. Anywho, yeah, it looks scary. This is the uh, one with the commercial where they're like, "We've been here before. We remember that the penalty is death or something." And I always <laughs> laugh because I'm like, I, "Well, <laughs> so this is basically a revamp of Saw. Like, if you think about it, yeah, because yeah. it's Escape Room Tournament of Champions is the sequel to the box office hit psychological thriller that terrified audiences around the world." In this installment, six people unwittingly find themselves locked in another series of escape rooms, slowly uncovering what they have in common to survive and discovering that they've all played the game before. Interesting. Yeah, I mean... Like, I mean, escape rooms got super popular, and that was basically what Saw was, just a very, very messed up escape room. Truth. Yeah. Um, This is why I don't go to escape rooms anymore. Oh, escape rooms are fun. Well, I mean, they're kind of fun, and then every once in a while you'll get, like... You'll get a full group of like all of your friends and mm-hmm. then like two people who have never been to one that you don't know. And I just imagine at that point that those are the plants that are there to kill us all. Right. And so it doesn't really work out that well for me because I'm focusing on these people that I don't know and who are just trying to play a game. <laughs> uh, speaking that like escape room tournament of champions, obviously based off of doing real life escape rooms where you're trying to escape and before the you know time runs out. Mm-hmm. And I recently discovered something I really want to do. Uh-oh. But I need to like you have to commit for six months. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't, rent I, a new apartment. Yeah, I don't know no. if I have a, a commitment. For it is one. called Hunt a Killer. Oh, these are the 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 the, the mail things, mm-hmm. right? They, they so send a, you a box of things to play. It's a subscription service, and I learned this same from the the gal I watch for Murder Mystery Makeup Mondays, Bailey Sarian. This is a sponsor <laughs> she usually gets, and I looked into it, but I need to make sure I have a committed team to do this with. It's a six month thing. You can pay monthly, or you can pay six months in advance, and you get like special extra stuff. Like, you can get, like, copper kind of uh, Moscow mule mugs and stuff. Oh, oh, I'm in. But they send you clues and articles and different things, and you're trying to sit there and figure out who the the killer is, who the murderer is, and they have a forum on, like, Facebook and stuff where it's, like, spoiler-free. Wow. So people can, co- like, who do you think the killer is and, like, kind of get tips and advice, like, if you're talking to other detectives. And it, there's different versions and different themes that you can get. Like different story arcs. That seems super cool. But like again, I, I you can do it yourself. There's nothing wrong with uh, doing it yourself. However, I want a team. This sounds like a cool team. Like game night, like once, like once a month, getting it together. Um, yeah. They're about unique game nights starting at twenty five bucks a box, and I'm like, that is so. Yeah. Stay home and solve a murder. I'm like, hey, that's nice. That's better than just listening to one of those uh, real life true crime podcasts. Mm-hmm. And they have like some of the box sets they have. There's vindication. Blair Witch Board Game, like Ooh. season one, initiation, serial killer puzzle box set. 
And I mean, if like, you're getting a couple of people in on this, mm-hmm. and if you all are uh, down for doing it, you can split the cost, yeah. and it's not that expensive at that point. Especially if it's something like, first off, yeah, it's like trying to get a and d group together. You need people who are ready for, like you said, that six-month commitment. But if you're only gaming like once a month, or if you get everything, maybe you can just wait and everyone can do it. Over over like a whole weekend or something like that as well. There's a lot of fun ways you can keep doing this. There, it kind of reminds me, what are they called? The legacy games? Like Pandemic yeah. Legacy. Uh-huh. Where like my, my old roommate had it, and he didn't invite me to join the group. Whatever, not holding that, you know, still <laughs> yeah, four yeah, years I later. Can tell. Uh, but you get together once a month and you kind of add different, you continue playing, but it's like a one-time use game. Yeah, and this you can literally get the entire thing, all six episodes at once. I'm looking mm-hmm. at the Blair Witch one because that seems very interesting. Um, yeah, that's actually really neat. And they kind of say, like, see if you qualify. Because if you're going to do the monthly thing and you're not going to like it after the first month or not going to commit to it after the first month, then really what's the point? Mm-hmm. So honestly, I think it's just better to get it all together at once. And that oh, way yeah. you have it all and you don't have to worry about... Oh, you know what? Like that's I don't <laughs> running know out even... of steam or anything exactly. like that. Yeah, and absolutely. that way, or if you can do it like once every week. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is so cool. So that is fantastic. If you guys have done something like this, a subscription service to like a mystery. I know it's kind of off from movies, but we were talking no, about yeah, escape it's rooms. like movie mysteries and stuff like yeah. that. And Game Night was a movie too. Come on, right? So I'm very <laughs> fascinated by this. I want to know if you've done it and how did you like it, or is there other subscription services that you prefer? And until next time, stay nerdy. <laughs>